Into sports. 20 yards out. Urshan shoot. Don't shoot. Oh, oh, what a goal for Fabinho. Wow. Then get into the all-new OTB Sports app. I think when he apologizes to me, I probably will say hello to him. Yeah, no. Videos, sports news, live scores, interviews. If Abregas is going to come up to me in the street and give me some of a mouth that he would have given me on a football pitch, what do you do? You get a slap. Plus exclusive content on the OTB Podcast Network. The biggest names in sports. Ready when you are. Search OTB Sports on your app store and download it now. The OTB Podcast Network. With Green Farm on the go. Snack smart with 100% natural protein-powered chicken bites. I'm a very confident front runner for Caddy for 33 years, 145 wins now, and that's the best win I've ever had. I have no idea what you have. I don't know. I'm, how are we going to count all the shots? I, I, I can't keep track. I don't think he's pleased. Of course you would. That's a, that's a particularly stupid question. It's the Irish Open. Of course you want to play at the weekend. Well, is he back? Might be back. Oh, Jordan, we have missed you. We knew all along. Welcome along, everyone. The golfing year that is 2021 keeps on giving. Fionn Davenport, hello. Hey, Joe. Spawell Supremo. Peter Laurie, hello to you. Hi, Joe. And bringing up the rear in fine fashion, Nathan Murphy, hello. Oh, I've been waiting for this moment. I've been waiting for this moment all week. So have you- I, Joe. <laughs> Watch the air be uh, punctured right out of this hope. Very, very quickly, courtesy of Peter Laurie. But uh, there is lots going on. There is much to discuss. Uh, First, though, we have an announcement that we want to make. Uh, Golf Weekly is on the move. Now, it's still very much part of the Off the Ball family. We are on the move in terms of where and how you will find us. So the pod has been going, as lots of you will know, for uh, the goods of a decade. In fact, a decade this year, actually. And there have been plenty of different iterations. We think it's as strong as it's ever been. And in the interest of keeping the show on the road very firmly, of making the show more uh, vibrant, we are moving to Patreon. So I'm sure you all know about Patreon. It's where you're going to get the podcast in future. The plan is to do more. We'll have guaranteed podcasts every Thursday, like clockwork, at midday. On major weeks, we're going to come to you earlier in the week, maybe a Tuesday or a Wednesday. We will have Monday review bonus podcasts after majors, after the Ryder Cup, or if Jordan Speed wins. I'm adding that in, actually, if Jordan Speed wins as well. That's a, that's a promise. That is a promise. On a major Sundays, we're going to have virtual watch-alongs. So maybe an hour before the leaders go out, if it's stateside or British Open, we might do it as the winner comes in. But either way, we'll have virtual watch-alongs on a major Sunday. Tune in, watch a bit of the coverage with us, fire some questions, have some chat. And we're also really excited. We're going to have golf days. So if you're part of the Patreon family, you will get dibs on our golfing days, hopefully around the country. And uh, that will happen in due course when the country opens up again with COVID. And we're really looking forward to doing that. We've enjoyed them anytime we've done them. We just haven't been able to do them enough for various reasons. And we will also do some big name standalone interviews as well outside of Thursdays. So... That is the plan. Uh, What's the catch, you say? Well, there is, of course, uh, reality to all this. We will be moving to a subscription model. So that is the company plan. Everybody has looked at it and figured this is the best way for Golf Weekly to go. It'll be $3.99 per month on Patreon. Now, 
this is not all going directly into Nathan Murphy's bank account. We have our suspicions some of it will be. Yeah. Uh, this is very much uh, labor love, always will be. But hopefully you can appreciate there are commercial uh, realities for all of us at uh, Off the Ball and Golf Weekly. But we very much want the pod to continue for years to come. And the thinking was and is that this is the best way to do that and for the podcast to kick on to another level as well. So ultimately, look, I'm sure you're not high-fiving the 399 part, but ultimately, we want you to come with us. We see this ultimately as a big positive, and we think we can take the pod to a brilliant new level. You can sign up now. This is all going to come into effect really from March 11th. will be the first pod behind the uh, Patreon wall. So you can sign up now and you won't be charged at all until all this starts uh, officially. If you want to do that, there's two very easy ways. You can go to patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com and just search for Golf Weekly there. Or you can go to otbsports.com forward slash Golf Weekly and that will give you all the info you knew and it's you need and it's very uh, straightforward. So that's the news. I mean, hopefully in the main, you'll all come with us and we will go on to new heights this year and have a brilliant time. Nathan Murphy. I'm very excited. Uh, I think it's going to allow us bring a more consistently brilliant Golf Weekly to you. As you say, it's been a labor of love for you, probably for a decade, yourself and Fiona at this stage. Joe, Peter Laurie, as we know, is the only one who's been making any cash out of this with the long (laughs) line of ends of the pod or outside Spowell every week. So, you know, share the love, uh, but it's not about that. It's not about, it's still going to be that labor love for us, but it allows us to get a producer in place. It means we can guarantee we're going to be with you every Thursday. It means we can do all these shows around majors, around Jordan's speed success. We could be doing a lot of Monday shows with what we've seen from Jordan over the past week. And also, as you say, when, hopefully, even maybe from next month when golf returns, that we can start thinking about golf days, which have always been uh, a huge success. That little bit of off the record access to Peter Laurie and... Damien McGrain and lots of special guests that we've had over the years. And so we're going to have lots of those throughout the summer that we will be giving the listeners an opportunity. And yeah, listen, our friends at the pods have been brilliant to us uh, throughout the years. And hopefully uh, we look forward to them coming with us over the next couple of years. And we'll be giving them plenty in return, including Joe. On top of all that, we're going to have a new friend of the pod on tour in America who's going to start joining us on a regular basis. I just had an email in the past hour to say he's keen to come on in the next couple of weeks. He has his PGA Tour card. He's playing week in, week out, including this week at Pebble Beach. And he's going to come on and give us a little bit of insight into what tour life is like. You know, we have the guy who was there once upon a time, but it'd be good to get somebody, you know, who's up with the, up with the young guys. Nathan, does this mean the uh, gloves are off and the lawyers are going to be locked out? And I actually can say what I really want to say? <laughs> I hadn't or, considered or, that. <laughs> That's a hard no. We can afford your legal costs. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. that could be. This could be very interesting, guys. Come here, and so let me get this right. I've I've one one observation and one question for both you and and uh, Joe. So, golf days, watch-alongs, extra pods, uh, all of this, all for the price of one Pro VX ball a month. That's it. Is that how much Pro V ones are now? Yeah, four Bloody quid. Bloody hell. Yeah, you buy a sleeve for 12. or No, it's a 15. Sleeve for 15, isn't it? So it's cheaper than one Pro VX ball. We should have brought Master Salesman. earlier. Master Salesman. I'm just saying is if you think about it, it's you get all of this content for a ball that like when you set it up on the first tee, you slash it out to the right and it's a lost ball and you just go, 
come on, just move on. I'll just drop another one and then have to work off the annoyance of losing a brand new ball. Um, so that's my first thought. But my question is this. So if I want to listen back to the pod, I suppose I'll also have to subscribe. Yes. Yes, Dion. Yeah. You will have to okay. pay to listen to yourself. But I suspect you're the type of character who would do that. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Twice the price. Oh, I, mean, I told you, I told I mean, you, the gloves are off now, guys. Fiona will, will be giving subscriptions to all his family for Christmas. I know. Here, here's my present to you. Um, I, I listen back um, a lot just for, you know the way as a broadcaster you're meant to listen back, even though it's, it's got that touch of the, is that what my voice sounds like when you listen to your answer phone message? Mm. Oh, good. But, you know, no, I, 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 I'm excited even. And can I just say to the listeners that it's all news to me that we were doing all these extra pods and watch alongs <laughs> and all the rest. Um, oh, yeah. Are you available? <laughs> <laughs> as, as Nathan was, and as you and Nathan were talking, I was like, hmm, what's my schedule? Yes. No, but I think it's great. Um, um, yeah, I'm hopefully, thrilled. hopefully. And I wouldn't look, I wouldn't shy away from the fact I'm sure no one's going great. I get to pay, but hopefully you see the bigger picture and it allows us to have a producer. It allows us schedule in these days, lock them into the OTB family. Cause quite often, I mean, Nathan has to present a show this evening. Quite often we're running around trying to make yeah. this thing work. And so it's to almost put in solid foundations and cement the status of the pod. That is uh, the thinking really. So come with us. Lots of you have been with us for a very, very long time now. We started doing this in 2010 and I genuinely do think it's as good as ever as much, you know, we, and we love everyone who's been part of it along the way, but um, that's where we are. It's uh, you know what, or get off the pot time, I think from our point yeah. of view. So we're going to try and take it to a, a new level. I won't labor the point. If you have any uh, questions or anything, then feel free to get at Nathan Murphy on Twitter. <laughs> uh, patreon.com yes. is again yeah. where you can search for golf weekly or otbsports.com forward slash golf weekly it's very straightforward i think as well once you click on to either of those links uh you know people are well used to subscribing up yeah. to patreon at this stage it's sort of self-explanatory it'll come up on whatever podcast platform you generally listen to your podcast and as you said it's set up that while it's fresh in the mind you can sign up now but you won't be charged till actually we fully move across, which is March the 11th, which I think is the week of the Players' Championship. Okay. Look, it's big news for us. It's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing because, uh, you know, like I said, a lot of work over the decade to keep it going, and now it's in a really good place. So that's where we are. Let's put a pin in that for the time being and move on. There is much to discuss out of Phoenix. Because we could go to full American model, I was thinking with the podcast, because I was recently listening to a podcast that Stuart Lancaster, he was on the show last week, so I was listening to a podcast he did in America. Mm-hmm. There was 12 minutes of ads before the podcast start. Oh, yeah. It's 12 painful. minutes of live reads. 12 yeah. minutes of the presenter telling you how great that some insurance company was. And it was glorious. 12 minutes. I know. 12 minutes. And then he started his intro to Stuart Lancaster. So I'm just thinking, you know, we could, we could go that route as well. I have worried that will come in here. In America, the presenters don't just do the reads. I mean, they really sell it. Native hmm. advertising. Oh my God. Guys, I got to tell you about this product. I love it. I love it. Yeah. well. Like you walk in and the welcome you get. I don't know who this guy is. I don't know who he is. But he just wraps his arm around you. He brings you, he gives you a free lesson. This guy is the greatest guy I've ever met. Spowell I tried to do that with Joe and he ran away. 
It's a pandemic. Joe doesn't like hugs. He's not a big no, fan. No, of no, no. I tried to give him the lesson, and he ran away. <laughs> wow. I'm still trying to shake off that lesson. All right. <laughs> Phoenix Waste Management Open. The uh, golfing soap opera that is welcomes back two much-loved characters. Brooks Kepka from five shots back on Sunday beat Xander Schauffele by one, chipped in on 17. And of course, Jordan Spieth, who we've got to talk about in a big way. Let's just deal with Brooks um, pretty quickly. Mm. From five shots back on Sunday. What was interesting amongst um, everything, Fionn, was that Kepka opened up about how dark things had become yeah. for him. Effectively, last year, he was at a point where bending his knee to take the ball out of the cup or obviously in a lot of swings as well, he was in fairly ferocious pain. And at one point, uh, mid to late last year, he had the latest MRI on his knee whilst being in all this pain. And the doctor said, yeah, no, I think that's pretty much you now, Brooks. That is kind of you're done here. That's all we can kind of do for you. That's just where you are. And needless to say, I mean, he was looking at his career going up in smoke. Seems to have sorted things out. There was a stem cell treatment. There was a cortisone shot into his hip as well. And I mean, whatever about Jordan Spieth being back with Kepka, given his track record, uh, not doing much and then winning majors at a canter, we can most certainly say this guy's back. He, I mean, my, my new dream, my new dream, if Rory and Tiger can't be a part of things, is Kepka and Bryson final pairing masters. Oh, yeah. Um, as, uh, as it was clear that Spieth was... Uh, stumbling his way in the last round and Kepka, who played the last 24 holes of the tournament in 11 under. So he showed on the back nine on Saturday, he'd already just pressed the accelerator and was showing the form that would lead him to the win. But I was in some dark places mentally, he said afterwards. I didn't know if I was ever going to be the same again. And if you notice that he delivered it with the same kind of throwaway casualness that he that Kepka has like almost like not quite a hint of a smile but almost like a just he he's a remarkable fella abrasive but he is box office you know he's like once the camera goes on him he's star attraction um went down 34 then birdies 13 14 15 and that insane eagle he had um to chip in on 17th like, did you see it hit the top of the bank and then kind of skidded a little bit and just tracked straight into the hole? And that was it. Um, I all the while, as Spieth was falling away, I was just praying, no disrespect, but no, please don't make it James Hand. Please don't let it be James Hand. I, I just wanted it to be, it was, it wasn't going to be Spieth. I wanted Brooks. And given as an Irish Liverpool fan, uh, Sunday was one of those poor days where you had Ireland lose. Liverpool got hammered. And so I'm like, oh, please let it be Spieth. Please let it be Spieth. So the, the bogey prize was to see Brooks put an end to a year and a half, roughly, yeah. of pain. And I think, Nathan, you need Brooks to be back winning, to make him compelling again. I don't fully think he is box office. I mean, he's fun to watch at times, but really what makes him kind of mesmerizing is his uh, almost lack of charisma at times and now he's just winning these majors and giving so little back. That's what made him unbelievably interesting. Whereas if he's just there doing okay, I don't know if you know, I'm that concerned about uh, Brooks. So it's unbelievably exciting that he's now poised to do his thing again. There's no reason why he shouldn't be able to do what he did at majors. And that for me is, is just a lovely extra element. 
Yeah, because majors have always been where he's performed. That's now four regular wins to go with four major championships for Brooks Kepka. And I was wondering over the last few days as to why I felt Jordan Spieth had this charisma and that maybe Brooks Kepka didn't. And maybe it was moments like the chip in on 17. Whereas if that was a Jordan Spieth, you would have had to jump in through the air against Michael Greller. Kepka was almost embarrassed, didn't want to show that it mattered that much to him, wanted to hold it all in. But there is also an honesty to him that maybe isn't there from a lot of the top players that while they can talk and will give interesting comments, I think with Kepka, you always feel, and I'm going to contradict myself in a moment, but you always feel post-round that there is, if he feels something needs to be called out, he'll call it out. There's that clear chip on his shoulder that he doesn't get the level of respect that he deserves. And he is someone you want there. He's someone you want contending for those major championships. And we spoke a lot last year, in the latter half of the year, about his injuries and how serious they were. And he was the one himself who was downplaying them at times. One week he'd say, I'm in real pain every time. I'm hitting the ball and then it'd be off. Listen, I can't use it as an excuse. You know, it wasn't the reason I didn't play well. And to go from that to pretty dark places, having conversations with your doctor where you're not sure what the future looks like, probably shows that maybe we shouldn't read as much into what they're really telling us. But I was like, Fionn, if it wasn't going to be speed, you want it to be Kepka. You want him to be in the mix. You want to be going into the Masters with five, six of the world's top players heading towards their peak. And we've already had that when you have Patrick Reed winning last week, when you have Dustin Johnson and Brooks Kepka winning over the same week. So it's been an electrifying couple of weeks and there were some fans back and I never thought I'd miss the fans. And to be honest, I kind of felt it was good having them back in Phoenix, but what would it have been like when that chip in went in for Kepka on 17, if you had a big old crowd there, the place would have just gone absolutely insane so yeah i was exact same as fion the more brooks kepka in our lives contending for tournaments the better because we don't see it that's that is one of the big differences with him and all the rest he turns up at majors but quite often he's 25th in a regular tour event so i don't think he's really seeped into the minds of the non-golfing public in any way hmm. was it the first time he he'd kind of got a tournament by the scruff of the neck and won it when everybody else was kind of falling apart on Sunday. Yeah, that's what it seemed to me. It was the first time that I've seen Brooks as a, you know, that kind of an interesting party that's, uh, you know, his chip in on, on thing, his T-shirt on the last, um, you know, he, he just looked like for a change, he looked like a, a real quality player. Now I know he brought the, all that quality, to majors but as you said in in you know it was the first time that he, he he really wanted to prove something outside of a major um and it was the first time that i'd seen him kind of grab uh, uh, as i said to you a tournament by the scruff of the neck and win it while everybody else was trying to throw it away like you know how xander shoffley lost that tournament is beyond me you know what i mean the tee shot that he hit on 17 was horrendous um Jordan, in my viewpoint, was kind of got in the way really on, on, on Sunday because he, he, look, it was great to see him back. I, I, you know, I give you that. It really was. It was really nice to see him back. But he, he shot, what did he shoot? 65 on, on Saturday from all over the shop. 61. Sorry, 61. Apologies. 61 on Saturday. 
from all over the shop. Um, and, and, and that was, you know, his level of fairways hit. Uh, I don't know whether anybody saw that tweet there recently of the, of the video of his um, idiosyncrasies, like drying his hand and, and then back on the towel. And then, then he did something else. He was, a, you know, he was full of nerves, which is not, okay, he's normally like that, but not as twitchy. Um, so it's going to take him a bit of time to get back into it. But it's great to see that he can prove to himself that he can look back and say, right, I've shot 61, as you said, on Saturday. I can, I can play this game again. I can shoot low numbers. Right, what do I need to sort out myself to get myself back into contention more yeah. often? He is suddenly out of nowhere, right back towards the top of the betting for Augusta. He, he is, yeah, uh, as long as he stays healthy. Yeah. Um, as long as he, he, he can still, you know, as you said, bend down, pick the ball out of the whole turn. But, uh, um, you know, his general game is back. There's nothing worse than missing two cuts in a row and then everybody asking the questions, you know what I mean? Especially at his standard, mm. you know, to miss two in a row is three in a row. I w- was it three in a row? Yeah, three in a row. Yeah. Apologies. Okay. So, so yeah, it was which a... made it even worse. So, yeah, and I think um... you're right. The way the grabbing it by the scruff of the neck, you you weren't expecting it. Even though Kepka, because of what he's achieved, when you see his name on the leaderboard, you should sort of think, yes, this guy is going to kick on and mm. win this tournament because of his quality. But I sort of felt midway through on Sunday, ah, you know what, Lavin Kepko finished eighth, and he'll be happy enough with that because showing yeah. a bit of form again, where actually he was the one in a quality leaderboard when you're looking at the likes of Shoffley and Speeds who thought, I am going to grab the bull by the horns here. I'm going to go and take this. And the deafness of touch on 17 as well, I was, as usual, sort of double screening and uh, looking at my phone and watching, and I'd seen the shot he had in. And then I saw a ball rolling into the hole and I assumed it was a replay of somebody else because it looked an impossible chip in from where mm. he was positioned, even where the sprinkler head was, which I think he mentioned himself. Yeah. To get the ball between the sprinkler head that it could still roll into the hole. Uh, yeah. And you could see, uh, I think as well, what it made to his caddy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's peak. I mean, by, 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 by his own admission, Kepka is not a natural proponent of the short game, but like with Pete Cowan, he has made himself awesome in that department. That US Open where Kepka and Dustin Johnson went out in the final group, the amount of par saves from edge of the green on these upturned saucers on Kepka's part was extraordinary. So, I mean, he's, um, you know, for someone who likes to act as if he doesn't care that much or work that hard, he's made himself unbelievable short game player Jordan Spieth let's get on to the main event this is the mad thing so like Kepka's back this four-time major winner it's a massive story and really I just felt like we were filling time there before we could get into the good stuff (laughs) Jordan Spieth 61 on Saturday electrifying I mean if last Sunday I thought that all anyone was talking about in my timeline was Patrick Reed all anyone was talking about on Saturday was Jordan Spieth with that 61 finished fourth in the end he had no form coming in here is the thing he had been 38th, 41st in his previous two tournaments. No win since 2017, as we know. And he said on Sunday, I'm still far from where I want to be, but as far as, as, as far as how it feels, but boy, I was debating not even playing this week. I was thinking of dropping out last Friday afternoon. So I just wanted to potentially go home and feel like I was really far. I felt like I was really far from where I needed to be. 
the golf course in general isn't a great golf course for me historically. So I thought I could just go to Pebble a little bit fresher. And boy, I'm glad I came. This was unbelievable, Fionn. Yeah, Jordan Spieth, 61 on Saturday. And obviously, well, I know that three of the four of us were all praying hard for him to not even do it again on Sunday, but, you know, three, four under, you know, just excel. And it didn't happen. However, here is, he drove it. Like, I mean, he, I think, was he last in driving? But he had been last in driving. Like, even on, on Friday, he said that he got away with murder in round one. So this mm. is when he was talking about it. Like, he, he finished 64th of 66 in strokes gained off the tee and uh, nearly in the same spot in distance from the edge of the fairway on Miss Fairway. So he, he, his driver just did, was not his friend at all. But, and Peter, you have to concede this. When the driver is not your friend and you're shooting a 61, it means that everything else is just like out of sight good. So he, you know, and here's an interesting thing is, is that he finished first in the field ahead of Kepka, And this is by a considerable margin in approach play. And that is, uh, according to Kyle Porter, the dirty secret of Jordan Spieth, second to none. And so it was again this week. Um, now, you know, obviously in that span, he was top 15 player in the world. He won three majors. Uh, but here's the thing, right? He has strung together six straight rounds of positive strokes gained with his irons, which hasn't happened since the edge of 2018. So again, he obviously needs to sort out the driving. But one of the interesting things that Kyle Porter analyzed was is that all he needs is an average driver like Patrick Reed, who was not, you know, who was an average driver of the ball. That's all he needs to be by far back and in contention for big events, big tournaments, even majors. So it's, yes, it's disappointing. And yes, his driver is all over the place and he will constantly be in trouble if he can't sort out his driver. Mm. But if he sorts out the driver, he is going to be like in the conversation all of the time. Your wife, I dropped briefly there for a second but i did read the same kyle porter piece so the amazing stat you had was that on this great run of speeds where he captured all our hearts 2014 to 2018 and he won 10 times three majors he was a top 15 iron player in the world yeah and that was the key point and as you i mean as you as you say that caught my eye as well that for the first time since 2018 he's now had six straight rounds of positive strokes gained with his irons so you kind of think he's got this cracked I mean, he, you know, like to, to a point, he's, 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 because his irons last year, he was 97th. Like mm. they weren't good last year. And now he's had a really sustained run of great iron play. Like the worry with the driving. I mean, it's not like it's just, yeah. I mean, he's a long way off even being average with the driver. Last year off the tee, he was 219th on tour. I mean, he is bottom of the rung. And the way he came out on Sunday after being on the range for an hour warming up and took a hybrid off the first tee and just, whoa. Not since Webb Simpson in the Ryder Cup. <laughs> oh my God, that drive off the first was diabolical. On diabolical. Don't you laugh at him. Uh, Don't you laugh at him. <laughs> lads, lads, coming from a person, right, who, who lost the ability to hit fairways off the tee, and I, I was quite good at it, um, hitting fairways off the tee for most of my career. Um, saying something like all he has to do is, you know, get it on the fairway. Unfortunately, it's not. Um, this this runs through your whole game. Um, after a while, 
where he is at the moment with his irons. He he he's very steep on the ball, and and yes, he hits his irons well, and yes, he's playing golf courses where he can use. You know what I mean? The, the rough isn't heavy, or you know he's getting away with it. However, put him on a golf course where he has to carry the ball a certain distance, he has to hit it on the fairway, he's really, really, really going to struggle. Mm. And, you know, that's, that's the big thing with Jordan. He, he has to find a way. And it, I, I'm not saying it's a swing. It's more a, a psychological thing with him, you know, with the driver. And it's going to take a while. So for the guys who are saying Jordan is back, he's not back. He's not even close to being back. He, he will contend in a few golf courses where you don't have to hit it that far um, and he'll get away with it. Pebble Beach being the one of them this week, he, he's going to do okay this week, I think, anyway. Um, but imagine him coming down the 18th um, in, in any way tied for the lead and having to hit that tee shot in Pebble Beach. Like, he's going to hit us 100 yards right mm-hmm. at best uh, to but- keep it out of the water. And, and Peter, I take every one of your points, but what this week it will have done is it'll have done the X factor, that confidence thing will have done him no, no harm at all. And I remember, was it at Glen Eagles, the Ryder Cup, was that 2014? Is that that long ago? Yeah. 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 At 2014. So I was there and a friend of mine was watching this before Spieth was Spieth and he was playing uh, Graham McDowell and my friend overheard Jordan Spieth's mother saying, oh, there's Jordan Spieth doing, there's Jordan doing exactly what Jordan does, just being hard on himself, you know? So it can't have been easy mentally for him to just not contend, but surely, you know, to shoot a 61 on Saturday when the driver's like a snake in your hand, to, to finish fourth, to that all has to be positive, does it not? It, it does mentally, yes, but you still have this horrible thing. Like I, let's put it this way: I, I, I and I'll bring it. I have to bring it back to myself because I'm the sure. only person I know. You know, um, in in 2014, I I couldn't hit a fairway, couldn't even get close to it. 2015, I did something similar, but I nearly got my card back, right? Um, and it was just managing my way around the golf course without having to, you know, have this huge concerns of hitting fairways. Um, so put me on a big golf course. I, I, I'll just crumble uh, after a while. During that spell, Peter, in 2014, 2015, then when you couldn't find a fairway, were there still weeks where everything else came together? Did you have those Jordan Speed-esque weeks that were yes ended up being yeah. one-offs where actually it felt as though maybe some everything else could o- overcompensate for your struggles off the tee? Where I should have never been able to make the cut, I made the cut. From, you know, if you put anybody else in the places that I was in, you know what I mean? They would have shot 80. Instead of that, I was shooting 70 or 69. Uh, and it still doesn't make up for your confidence off the tee. Um, mm. uh, and that's the one thing. And and don't get me wrong. He's, he's certainly, like, he can hit some. Look at the tee shot he hit down the par five. Um, is it 15? Um, you know, straight down the fairway. Mm. No, no. He hit it in the water on 13, wasn't it? Water 15 and 17. Mm. Right. I would share your reservations, I have to say. I really yeah. don't put much stock in this. 
it's funny he said traditionally that course didn't suit him because I couldn't think of a better course for somebody who has these issues at the moment because he had a nice sandy tight lie so many times off these crazy wide shots like he went so wide on the first I mean this at so many other courses is game over stuff you know mm. it's and I was with a hybrid and he'd just been on the range for however long so there are serious demons there he can't grip and regrip the club like we've seen him do recently and when pressure even remotely comes on, not go to pieces. And he did a little bit. So I really would be surprised if we see him contend at any of the the, the big, uh, heavy, rough courses, maybe a British Open. What gives me hope is twofold. One, you think back to his Open win in 17 and the most remarkable bogey of all time, you know, with the drop in the uh, driving range and hole later me and Nathan were even talking about it in the radio last night like where he holds the put then and he's saying to Greller pick it up pick it up I'm going I'm over here you pick it up and he's just oof. so one he's never been uber straight and he's had almost a resilience about him to in a Seve-esque way maybe not enjoy the adventure but certainly thrive on the adventure of having to try to scramble so that that one is your big hope that he gets that va voom back about him and then the other thing which gives you hope with speed is when he hold that, was it 30 footer on 17? Mm. Statistically, you can't measure that. You know, so the stats tell me Speed is 80th in putting this year and he's 105th in putting last year. Those stats don't, don't go anywhere near capturing Jordan Speed, the artist, on a green when he's got momentum and in the mood. He's going to do miracles. You know, he's, he's going to do the miraculous. And, and the guy fell off his chair and then Speed's like pointing across the water to him. And, you know, it's like when he gets to Augusta and he starts just feeling the shots and forgetting about technique. So you can't measure that. Like, that's why we, that's one of the many reasons we kind of love him is that these big moments, he does these insane things. And there are times where every 30 footer, every 30 footer is like, a, I think he's going to hold this. I mean, he's going to will this in the hole somehow. So on the one hand, I'm balancing everything Peter has said and everything I saw with my own eyes. I mean, he was terrible off the tee with there's a sense of kind of sorcery about this guy when he starts to feel good about himself. So my hope is he doesn't focus on those driving stats from last week. He just allows himself to feel good again and doesn't think, oh, I need to hit the ball better. I need my swing to look more orthodox. I want him to embrace the wildness and then maybe good things will happen again. But you can't look at, look at Ian Baker Finch. You know, he won a British Open and two years later he was hung up his boots. Um, you know, he hit it out of bounds on the first hole in, in St. Andrews in a British I remember Open. That. Yeah. Um, did he uh, come back and have the odd flourish like Speed no. has had here? Uh, no. He did, yeah. He did. Yeah, uh, not in the slightly. same way. No, no, but slightly. He had a couple of rounds that were... No, you know, but my point is, is that Ian Baker Finch's retirement came hot on the heels of his win, relatively speaking. Yeah. 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 Whereas Jordan... I mean, but Joe, you said something, and I think that kind of speaks to the to what it is about and that makes like box office charismatic guy. And it's Seve-esque. It's like the way he the way he walks around a golf course when things are going well hmm. reminds me when I was a kid watching Seve, just like, I mean, there's all these ridiculous, you know, I I I won't even use the term that they use to describe Seve because it's such a cliche, but like Jordan Spieth has that. And when he points and he, 
he's, you know he's going to put the ball in the green. He can will the ball into the hole, and Seve have that in spades. And I think that's exactly the energy that that makes me such a huge Jordan Spieth fan because all that gripping and regripping and wide off the tee, and he's just like mad. Like he's it's mental. It's mental to watch. Really, Some, somebody texted in last night, Nathan, and said Spieth is sea biscuit. <laughs> and you, you do feel like he's almost that's pretty funny it's also pretty accurate yeah you do feel like is this against the odds like how does he compete with these metronomic giants and he just yeah. does and he, yeah he's also so i've been waiting all week to talk about like the most electrifying man in sports entertainment and now <laughs> i feel like my buzz is gone having listened to all of this even though i agree with large amounts of it particularly when you hear about his state of mind going into phoenix that if you're at that much of a low can one round flick everything and flip everything. Maybe it can, maybe it's, maybe he turns up in pebble this week and says, I found something last week that's been missing for the last two, three years because I was going through it last night. We're talking 35 tournaments since a top five mm-hmm. like for a player of his caliber. This isn't a slump. This is your career on the line type of play that speed has gone through. And it's hard not to agree with Peter that if his driving improves, but like this is as big an if as there is in golf right now. It, you know, if Rory McIlroy's iron play improves, you sort of know Rory McIlroy is going to have five, six tournaments a year where his iron play will be pretty much dialed in and his putting will be dialed in. It wouldn't be a shock if in six months' time, Speed hasn't had another round like that. Mm. Though at the same time, I also wouldn't be surprised if he turned up at Augusta and got into a bit of a mood and a bit of a role because that it, it feels as though there's very few players that feed off momentum like Spieth. Mm. I mean, you think back to Patrick Reed's Masters when Spieth goes in that final round and shoots 64 while dropping a shot at the last and yeah. is going to pull off one of the all-time great Masters victories, yeah. that there was a momentum to him that no other player feels can thrive off that like Jordan Speed, but you can't just magic that. You can't rely on that. You don't know when that's going to come. You just got to hope it happens at the right time. And it was brilliant. And Saturday night was electrifying. And even Sunday, when you're looking at the scoreboard and he's, he's, he's two over par and you're thinking, how's he only two over par? Mm. Considering how poorly he's played. <laughs> and even, even at that stage around when he's on 12, 13 and Kepka's lurking and you're looking going... I still don't. I, I I still don't trust Spieth in any way that he could shoot five under for the final seven, or he could do exactly as he did and put the ball in the water twice and just kill off his chances completely. So it's exciting to watch. You just look. All he would need is a little bit of consistency, and he may never be the consistent player who won three majors that he is. But if he could be, as you say, a, like Seve or a, a Mickelson type who had enough off the tee, we know he has the magic. And if he has the confidence that no matter where he ends up, mm. that he can put himself in contention when he puts like that. And when he puts like that, you're right. Maybe maybe, there are, maybe that is somehow factored into the strokes gained, putting statistics, or maybe the statistics did work because on Sunday, that magic wasn't there. No, it's true. But it's true. Nate, as, as, Peter can att- as Peter can attest, and as we can relate to, a big miss with a driver at a bad moment in a tournament is just so damaging that it's always going to be there for him. Like you think if he's going down the stretch, the masters and like the trees on 13, all of these things come into play, the 10th, like I, I, I even feel with speed, Peter, and you, you, you've been in this position 
Like, there's not even great confidence if he drives okay for the first five, six, seven holes, because deep down, he knows pretty recently there has been some unbelievably volatile misses. And like, that is just lurking in the subconscious. And it only takes one. You only need to snap up on 13 or something crazy on 11 and you're goosed. Like you've given away two, three yeah. shots. Like uh, what um, Fionn said there about his, his thought process going into the tournament. I used to have the same thing going to tournaments. And weeks before I'd get to the tournament, I'd be thinking of a particular tee shot on a particular hole. Mm. And it would scare the living daylights out of me. I'd wake up in the middle of the night going, how am I going to get past this hole? And you might get past it on the first day and you go, Jesus, thanks for you God. You know, thanks be to God I got through that. But I have to face that hole tomorrow. Now, what is my strategy? And and some days you'd get away with it, might be downwind and you hit three wood and you'd walk off the tee delighted with yourself <laughs> because you didn't have to hit. But if it was into the wind and you had to hit driver and you're saying to yourself, well, where do I hit it? You know, at, at, at what point, you know, what part of this golf course is it going to go? Um, one thing I would say about Jordan, and I would love to see him just have one um, shape off the tee. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that, Peter, because, sorry, because that's exactly, so on 17, he hits, well, he hooks one, he, he, he went to draw it onto the green, and then kind of, it just dribbled on into the water, and you can hear Spieth going, why are you doing that ball, and Andrew Coltart just goes, because you hooked it off the tee, that's why, but his miss on one was this massive kind of, like, block slice, or whatever it was, mm. what Am I wrong? Like, what's his shape? What's what's his shape, Peter? I don't know. I don't know. He used to be paid. I think he, he started to, to draw fade, it because yeah. he wants distance. Yeah. I think. Uh, yeah, I know what I agree with you there. I, I, I think he's trying to get it drawn to get it out there. But he needs one shape. And the problem is, is if you try and draw it and you drop it on the inside, hello, right-hand side of the golf course. Yeah. You know, you can hit it 100 yards, right? So, yeah. And look, you know, let's not get bogged down in Jordan. Um, he, he, right now, he's, as you said, he, he sees some light at the end of the tunnel. But uh, it certainly isn't a, um, he's not, he's not at the end of the tunnel yet. That's good. No, we can leave it there. You've grimmed us all out, Peter. We'll move on. <laughs> I was going to say, it's like, what about get bogged down in Jordan? Get bogged, <laughs> get bogged down in yeah, what you guys are. Jordan that's speed. the problem. What about get bogged what about... down and talk about shuffle? Don't get yeah. bogged down and talk about speed. We Shuffle-y, haven't even I... mentioned Steve Stricker's 18 for 18 <sighs> greens in regulation. I absolutely adore Steve Stricker. I just love him. This was, that was just amazing. Heaven. It was amazing. Yeah. Um, just sorry, one last point. I was again talking to a friend of mine, and one of the things Brooks came, you know, he came on the inside straight. Shoffley fell apart. Speed fell apart. James Hahn fell apart. It's hard to win from a leading position, isn't it? It's like oh, yeah. th- those first, those top three, four guys all had like extra pressure on them going into the Sunday. I mean, obviously we focus on speed, but like every single one of those guys all fell away. I don't Whereas, have much to uh, say about Xander Shoffley, except that the American... Well, coverage of, yeah. of Xander was quite beautiful. There was a biography that popped up as he hit a tee shot of Xander Shoffley. I took a screen grab of it. I even tweeted I about it. it. <laughs> so it's like Xander oh, yeah, Shoffley, age 27, birthplace, California. And then what are the three things we want to say as a television organization about Xander? Like what, 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 what do we want to give the audience? One, 
comes from an athletic family. I mean, could you be more vague? Yeah. <laughs> Two. As in. <laughs> father has taught him value of hard work and discipline. I mean, that, did you not just get a bit sick in your mouth when you heard that? Yeah. And also, as uh, a few people tweeted back, mother a slacker. But father has taught him the value <laughs> of hard work and discipline. And then oh, just to round it all off, enjoys wine and fashion. That's all you need to know about Xander Schauffele right there. And he stands it's, too far away from the ball. He does, doesn't he? Stands way, way, way away. Yeah. yeah. And that's that's his big problem. What did you tweet, Joe? You said, Jesus. You tweeted. It's like golf is in rock and roll. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> we Good need God. to do a Golf Weekly uh, biography of the four of us. <laughs> For next week, we'll go away and think of the three things that we want. Jesus. The, like you get led, Fiona. I think yours might be uh, somewhat more uh, interesting than uh, the rest of us. Yeah, enjoy. So Peter always has that coke addict line that he likes to go back to. Yeah, with the amount of people who said, "Get Peter Larry's one up there," yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. full-blown coke addict. Yeah, bastion of positivity. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, final word on this tournament: Rory McIlroy, you know, again, kind of a was it top thirteenth, well, I think, thirteenth. So uh, here's Rory's season in a nutshell: second driving off the tee, strokes gained. Approach to greens, 110th, and his putting is 64th. So that's kind of a sense of where Rory is. It, he, he didn't like the Poana greens of two weeks ago at Torrey Pines, which is a worry, big worry for the U.S. Open. He was looking forward to getting onto truer greens this week. Didn't quite happen for him. I saw Peter Rob Lee as uh, Rory was kind of coming up the 18th on Sunday, just saying, you know, he is the most frustrating golfer on the planet. There was just so much out there for him this week. Did you see Peter Costas' tweet um, in relation to his short irons? No. He, he reckons that Rory's um, irons are set wrong. And he has, they are two degrees too upright. Wow. Um, in his short irons. Randall Chambly uh, and, also had, sorry, go on, Peter. I didn't. And, that's very sorry, that, that was just, yeah, which I found really interesting. How could that be? Exactly, but that's the way he sees it. And Peter Costas is a good coach. Yeah. Mm. But he's seen it from the outside looking, you know, or, you know, I suppose at, at one stage he was very close to the action uh, um, because he was on the course. Um, but he reckoned that two degrees upright, which meant that he was, he had the ability to hook all his short irons. They were, they were towing into to our healing in too quick. Yeah. Uh, Brandel Chambly had a graphic up of a couple of Rory swings compared to Rory swings from whatever, a decade or more ago. And yeah. he's, he's slightly more laid off when he was younger and his club, the way he set his club is a little more up and just compared the two and, you know, had a, had his own I saw that. comment on that. I yeah. saw that. And I thought, Randall, you're going to have to explain this a bit more to me. They I know, look, that's I mean, exactly what I thought. They look pretty it's similar, but I wasn't like, oh, geez, case closed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, is, there, is the proof in the stats that he put with us when you were looking at his rankings with the short irons? Was it 50 to 125 yards? He's 198, yeah. 125 yeah. to 150, 205. Like, these are the... But, uh, like we've been talking about Rory's short irons for yeah. five, six years at this stage. Ah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the uh, but just in terms of Justin Ray had some good analysis of Poana greens, um, and not to get all in the weeds about grass, 
pun very much intended. So his stats say players have made 68.3% of putts from four to eight feet on all putting surfaces since Oh, sorry, sorry. So slow, slow down, slow down. My brain right. can't take that. Go on. Okay, so Justin so- Ray, just as a kind of a standard, all yeah. right? So putts from four to eight feet, which four are the, the yeah. money putts, okay? Players have made 68.3% of all putts from inside that distance on all putting surfaces since 2015. So just see that as your barometer. That's mm, your 68%. 68.3, okay? okay? And then when you isolate those numbers to just Poana Greens, the make percentage drops to 66.5. And Justin Ray makes the point now, that differential of just under 2% sounds small, but it adds up. For instance, it's the difference between ranking 20th on tour or ranking 42nd. Okay. On tour, which is a considerable difference. Yeah, and um, the other point that Justin Ray makes, and it's, it's perhaps less, in, less kind of eye-opening, is, is that if you tee off early, uh, you, the make percentage between five and 10 feet. So that's like between six and 11 a.m. So you get them fresh in the morning. Your make percentage is uh, 55% and it drops off the more into the morning you go down to 52%. But then the later tea times jumps up again. So Poana is just one of those weird surfaces that, that I mean, lots of golfers just don't like them, but yeah. unfortunately we are in the Poana stretch of the season where all the events played at the moment are all played on Poana grass or some courses with Poana and bent. Mm. Um, but anyway, I just thought it was interesting from Justin Ray. So next time you're looking and they mention Poana grass, it's like, you're like, Oh, okay. That's yeah. kind of. Yeah. I must, uh, I hope Rory gets asked about that. Peter Costa's point. That would be an unbelievable oversight if that was going on. I'm sure. The tailor made. Boys. Well, he. <laughs> oh my God, this better not be true. Yeah. Well, uh, it wouldn't re- be the tailor-made guys. It would just be Rory not realizing himself. Okay. Like you know, depending on the way he swings it, right? Or a short iron. But I presume whatever um, uh, way his clubs yeah. are now, he's pretty Did, much uh, had them that way right through his career. You know, just even by his eye alone, he would know how upright they are and how upright they've always been. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, range finders. So the PGA have announced uh, that we're going to have range finders, uh, the PGA being the first major body to allow this. So you're allowed the laser range finders, you're allowed GPS systems. So, I mean, lots of people just use the watch or whatever. Uh, that, that, I mean, it's not a major uh, overhaul. It'll only be three big events, really. The PGA Championship, the KPMG Women's PGA Championship, and the Senior PGA Championships. So this is PGA of America. Uh, Jim Richardson, their uh, president, said, we're interested in methods that help improve the flow of play during our championships. So the idea is this is going to speed things up. Uh, ben Ann said, is this going to speed things up? He said, F no. <laughs> so he wasn't that optimistic. Colin Marikawa, crazy news. Uh, we'll see the pace of play improve 10, 15 minutes. I don't think so. It'll help certain players pick up speed, maybe. Uh, will Zalatoris, who's burst on the scene, lately said um yeah i'm not so sure he said hopefully it speeds things up this has been already set in place for monday qualifiers for a couple of years now so i don't see a downside to it i'm hoping it helps i'm all for whatever makes the game faster i don't really see a downside to it beyond uh i don't know some kind of traditional slant i don't see a big downside to it either yeah but it's not really an upside either it's like if you notice that they use the word flow 
rather than pace of play. That's mm. key. It's not mm. going to, like, I mean, I read a lot of the caddies are, you, you, not surprisingly, they're against it, but not because they have their own self-interest at heart. It's like, and Peter, I'll defer to your experience here, but like, like, you know, caddies know distances. It's not like they know, they know to everything. And if you're a player, are you less concerned? Like, say, for example, off the tee, you're more concerned with runouts, carry numbers, lines over trees. That's the kind of thing. It's not the kind of thing you're more concerned. Like the caddy has the, the, the yardages in his book. So why do you need to gun a yardage? I don't understand. The, mm. the only time this will come into, um, it, you know, it, its own. It's when you hit it offline. Yeah, instead of and, pacing it out. And, and you're pacing and searching for a, a target or the caddy has to walk all the way up to the um, you know green to come back to get a yardage uh, because the angles are all over the shop. Um, that's the only thing that I can see it. But yeah, it, okay. I, I think in general, um, we need golf in general. I don't, we haven't had this discussion. And I'd love to have it about the technology part of it and the distance the ball is going and clubs and all the rest because it's just another section to that really you mean what you mean well in my in my viewpoint it is you know the the rna and the uspga have come out now and said about the ball and the club head um but they've forgotten about all the rest of the technology that goes into golf um, that is used to make the game a little bit easier. Um, green, green reading books, mm. uh, for one, um, you know, takes the, the idea uh, of being able to read a green with your eye out of it completely. You know, every time you see a pro walking onto a green now, he brings in his yardage book and he looks exactly which way the ball is going to go. And if he hits it down the line, this is, you know, it'll go to go left to right or right to left or up or downhill. It takes out all the skill in that. It takes out the skill of the caddy as well to, you know, come in there with a bit of information of, of what has happened before. And, in, in, you know, well, we were here two years ago and it broke left when we thought it was going to break right. Um, and, and lots of other things that technology has, has brought in as well to make golf easier like look at uh, launch monitors um uh you know they tell people down to the to the certain degree how far the ball spins how far the ball goes i remember getting out on tour using a um a, a balata ball which which you were able to shape which you were able to spin the golf ball now doesn't spin anymore mm. you know um the new regular at the new uh idea thinking is for a driver you have you know 1700 uh, rpms of spin when i was there it used to be uh, you know a, a good spin rate was maybe two six two five um so you, you can see how 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 bad how much more technology has had an effect on golf not alone um you know the guys bulking up and and, and swinging the club better it's, it's had a tremendous effect on golf. Uh, and this is what we need to look at rather than, you know, focus in on two small things. That's my opinion. Peter, just my first thought when they, when they talk about improving the flow or whatever the hell, you know, whatever that means, B, 
because really pace of play is, is one concern. Surely those green reading books are the issue. If you made those illegal, you would speed up play because, okay, I take your point that like you need a rangefinder if you're way offline, but you need, you use the green reading book on 18 greens. So if you make those, that level of detail and that level of concentration, that level of looking at the book and checking this and checking that, this other, surely if you took those out of tournament play, you, that would help accelerate pace of play rather than the ability to use a range finder to calculate a distance if you're way offline. Yeah, I'd agree with you there. Mm. You know, the, the green reading books should be gone. Um, they, 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 they've reduced them now to if you, if you hand put in the, um, either you or your caddy puts in the drawing that's allowed or they're down to a certain degree of, of um, oh, what would you say? Um, complexity. Complexity. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but I, I, look, I, I just think they take the, you know, if you're a good putter, you can read greens. Mm. Simple as if you're a bad putter, you'll always struggle to read greens. I mean, just to your other point, though, I mean, and I know we said last week we just didn't have time to talk about it because it seems so long ago, but just ahead of Phoenix, Rory had made his very angry submission on the USGA and RNA recommendations. Um, and just like, it's such a such a weird one because at first you're thinking you go Rory well done that's amazing like you know finally here's a player who's going to speak his mind who's going to go you know what like whether you agree with him or not he committed to an opinion and like you know so he says in case you missed it so I think the authorities here they're looking at the game through such a tiny little lens that what they're trying to do is change something that pertains to 0.1% of the golfing community while 99.9% of the people play this game play for enjoyment for entertainment okay and you're thinking that's a cogent argument absolutely what 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 is this little lens but almost not quite in the same breath he's asked about does he support bifurcation and he says yeah mm. i support bifurcation mm. so the, the thing doesn't I, I i was just left confused i'm same. like you know you're going well you're in you seem annoyed about the usga and the rna like focusing on this, but on the other hand, you support bifurcation so that, you know, the rules would pertain to exactly that 0.1% and not to the 99.9% of players who play for entertainment or for fun. So I'm just kind of left a bit bemused by it. And I'm just wondering if you guys had the same thought. Yeah, I did, because the um, report is more talking about the pro game. It is talking about bifurcation, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Maybe Rory was under the impression they were bringing in these rules for all of golf, because that's the way he was speaking. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, he was asked, you know, would he be in favor of the local rule? And he said, I'd be all for that. If they want to try to make the game more difficult for us or more, try to incorporate more skill to the game. Yeah, I would be all for that because I think it only benefits the better player, which I feel like I am. So to, to go back to that first bit of annoyance is that like, if they do dial back on ball speed or, or whatever to make, make the, a player like Rory, and this is the old argument that Nicholas would have, or is that the way that changes in technology, they're all exceptional players, but they disadvantage the truly exceptional players. Mm. 
because all of a sudden that that natural gift they have for shot making or whatever just somehow is leveled out. So a player like Rory, who is an exceptional shot maker or whatever, yeah. like so that's what I'm, I'm. I was just left a bit confused because it seemed that that the internet was all full of applause for Rory, kind of you know getting all riled up, and then almost in the same breath he like contradicts himself. Mm. And I anyway, I just. No, I presume. <laughs> I presume everybody watched the golf. Sorry, uh, on Sunday, and um, Robert Lee watched um, Steve Stricker hit his tee shot on the last. Yeah, and he said, "You know, this guy has played a completely different golf course all right. week to everybody else because he couldn't carry it out there, and he still managed to get it around the golf course, which was a te- you know a testament to Steve Stricker's skill." Yeah. Um, I, I don't know whether anybody's seen this, but one of the lads actually did a very good uh, piece. Um, oh, I'll find his name down in a second, but he was talking about um, the 100 meter sprint, right? And in, in 1968, it was 9.97 seconds, right? And Usain Bolt recent, or in 2009 did it in 9.58 seconds, which is a kind of a 3.91% improvement. But golf has improved, you know, you know, the way they talk about, you know, the, the lads are much better physically and, you know, they're hitting the ball because of speed and all the rest. It, it, it's not the case. You know, that argument is thrown out because it only gives improving your physic, phys, uh, physicality. It, it only improves a certain percentage. It's quite a small percentage. And it, it's totally about the ability that the technology brings. So. I, I don't believe that Rory is correct in what he says that, you know, we need to be looking at it as a professional body to make the game and the golf courses, you know, that we don't have to have these huge golf courses that we all bring it back a notch or bring it back a couple of notches for professionals only, but not for amateurs mm. because they don't need it. They need help rather than hindrance. Although the scoring average has changed almost negligibly since the late 60s. So, yeah. Like they've obviously made changes before. And like the one that stands out is when they changed the grooves. And Harrington in particular really suffered for a few years with that. Like how quickly and how fair is it to bring this in when the golfers, okay, yes, you want the most talented players to be rewarded, but you need a different talent now to be the best golfer. So players like the college system in America, we often go back to seem to be this conveyor belt of similar types of players. Is it unfair on them if you change the type of equipment that they have been brought up being told that this, these are the skills you need, this is the equipment you're going to have at your disposal. And that's all just going to change. And like, do they, is it a gradual process? Is it, Something that you're saying a year from now, this is the last date. Like how, how, in practicality, how would these changes to the rules work? Great question. Don't know, um, but it has to be over. I would say, I can't. It can't be over a period of time. It has to happen automatically. It has to happen quickly. It can't go on and push down the road and push down the road again. Um, like they've done with the size of the head of the driver, like they did with the long putter. Um, 
you know, they have to make a decision now to make to make changes and make them quickly. And the guys coming out of college, yes, they're gone on golf scholarships and they're there to study as well. And they're coming out as top amateurs. But when you go into the professional game, it's a different world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, money talks. And when even going back to the rangefinder issue, like the only thing I could think of there was like, what is, so it's not going to speed the game up dramatically, mm-hmm. but it is another piece of equipment that is now going to be on your TV screens. Mm-hmm. All oh, weekend. Very good. Like it is one of the few pieces of golfing equipment that doesn't get any actual exposure. People will st- still spend a lot of money on them, and you can spend as much as you want. Whereas now, for the companies behind them, actually, if everybody starts using them, how much TV time are they going to get? And suddenly, it's another valued piece of equipment. That's a good point. Oh, you know, companies, it's a very good point. Companies Bushel. will insist on players using them on every fairway. Yeah, you absolutely. Know, uh, Nathan, six years ago, um, Bushnell started sponsoring caddies uh, on the European Tour. Six Jeez, years Nathan. ago. That's why you're the money man. No. Always, always, always selling. Yeah. By the way, I would just like to say, if they want to come on board and sponsor the Golf Weekly podcast, I love those guys. Well, I mean, is an essential piece of equipment. It's, it's well, a wonderful I've had, development for the game. I've had three Bushnells over the years, so, you know, I'm a... To, uh, to, People to, love to be... leaving them in the driving range, lads. Do they Do really? They? Yeah. Oh, listen, I'll take one. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. To yeah. Uh, begin to wrap up, then we should just uh, mention no European Tour event this week. We are at we... Pebble Beach. No amateurs. AT and T Pebble Beach. No player from the world's top ten. No. Uh, we do have Phil there. We do have Jordan Speed there. So we're set. Seamus Power as well. Padraig Carrington, we wish you all the very best, sincerest best wishes. Uh, you tested positive for COVID this week, obviously. Um, thus far, all very good, and hopefully that continues. And nothing too um, serious for Harrington, so he's isolating, I presume, over there and keeping a good eye on himself. So uh, very best wishes to him. And RNA are planning for a full-scale British Open, they said. And I thought, okay, good on him. But then in the same breath, they said, although we're also planning for one behind closed doors. Or, uh, you know, <laughs> what, 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 what was the point of that press release? Did uh, any of you, sorry, just on the subject of crowds, Joe, did any of you watch Phoenix and think you're watching? And I know they said, oh, there was only crowds of 5,000. But like the way it is, is they all gather around the same holes to watch, you know, three players. That Like I'm watching and I'm going, it's great to see crowds, but also that's why America has such problems with COVID. I'm like. But I think you see that pretty much everywhere when crowds are allowed back in like we saw this uh club gea games where it started raining and there's only one stand and suddenly everybody finds themselves underneath it so yeah absolutely you look at it and think you're at a golf tournament where everyone can spread out and you only have a certain amount of people in there's no reason why anyone should be within a meter or two meters of each other i think the natural thing is particularly for a golf tournament where it comes down to the final couple of holes everyone wants to be there no, but I guess my point is, is that given that America's COVID crisis is so far from being resolved that as golf fans, of course, it's nice to hear Baba Booey, and I'm being sarcastic, um, because we did hear a bit of that idiotic chanting. But it's nice to see crowds because it gives you a sense of, I don't know, a bit of like Jordan Spieth wouldn't have finger pointed had the crowds not been there. So so it absolutely adds to the atmosphere. But in the same breath, I'm thinking, oh, Jesus, this is like, it's too soon. It's too soon. No. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. I just, that would be my thought that like, uh, I just felt, I, I do, it just felt, listen, America's had, have they had, have they had well over 400,000 deaths, you know? Yeah, uh, it's very grim. I thought around 16, they had it reasonably well spaced out. Like they had an awful lot of empty seats or yes. fake pictures in a lot of the seats. So um, perversely at 16, you could control where people were sitting a bit more, I guess, on some of those other areas, just where there was just green yeah. space, people might've been a bit close, but you know, the camera, it can be deceiving and people aren't sure. as bunched maybe outdoors as you might think. So, you know, it, it would be very interesting and their, uh, their testing isn't where it's at. It would be quite interesting to know if there were any cases on the back of it, you know, that'd be and it, a good test. It, case. It, it's also in, in, you know, for fairness, it's also worth saying that I did read that the, um, the staff at the event were like really disciplined in enforcing mm. the mask rule. Mm. So, I mean, I don't want to, certainly give the impression that they couldn't care less but i guess i just felt like given that as i said america is just so far from resolving this crisis for itself i just oh, it's just like oh christ yeah no it's true yeah uh, it, it says everything about the man that the very last He I was to wondering do? the what whole he have time. To, do to get her attention, you know, crushes the field in Saudi, continues his uh, unbelievable form, cements his status as world number one, heads to Augusta, uh, fully in the throes of feeling good about life, and we're like, oh yeah, okay, fine. Dustin better not creep up and ruin this golf season for me, by the way. He's going to win the Masters. Yeah. Ah. There's, there's been many a man who's been the best player in the world on Valentine's Day, but when it comes down to the back nine of Augusta. <laughs> He crushed the field just three months ago. Yes, I know. He did He did well at King Abdullah Economic City. Such a romantic-sounding destination, isn't it, to play golf? Mm. That's what it's called. I didn't see much of this. I was kind of otherwise engaged. Was he awesome? Was he grand? Was it a good yeah. tournament? Cold putter. Cold putter on Sunday. Dustin just, did? Yeah. Just, and still just cruised? Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, just... Tony now was it 17 or 18? Didn't take driver off the tee? That's right. Like, you got to put a bit of pressure on him here. You got to take the risk. Come Peter, on, you have you, all the money in the world. Would you even admit now, Peter, that it's ludicrous to think you ever tipped Fino to win several events? No. No. He gives himself so many opportunities. He does. Uh, That's one way he's of it. He's going to fall over the line at some stage. Mm. Yeah. Um, Justin Rose played well, finished Good. two back. Yeah. You know, signs of improvement mm. there yeah it was just he he um he really leaned on his driver this week dustin like the driver really got him out because the putter as i said was average he wasn't making that many putts but he drove it well like yeah it was just it was one of those that's yeah. a, 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 amazing to see um the appearance money guys oh my each God. one each one of them up the leaderboard there wasn't, there wasn't really one that finished, you know, there wasn't one that missed a cut, which was great. And, and then the next thing is they're all up the leaderboard. Maybe the appearance money is so bloody good. They're like, I need to actually hold up my end of the bargain here. So I'm invited back next year. Exactly. <laughs> or old Justin Thomas. No. Well, hang on. Did Justin Thomas play in Phoenix or no, in Saudi? He played in Phoenix. Ah, oh, you see, I was confused because I, wa I was watching both events and I was like confused as to where Justin Thomas, Thomas was sticking really up the joint. The leaderboard. Yeah. Oh, well, I, 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 made, I made that joke online about Dustin Johnson 
saying because oh, I yeah. think a, a thing came up right at the end saying he Kepka went above him. Somebody went above him in the FedEx Cup rankings, and Dustin yeah. Johnson dropped a second. I said, "Oh, that's something along the lines of disgraceful or such a shame that Dustin Johnson didn't show up on a week like he just didn't perform in a week like this and has now fallen off the top of the FedEx Cup ranking. To be a world number one, you got to perform more consistently to that." And I got the usual four or five. Uh, I thought you were made of working a golf podcast and know that he just won in Saudi Arabia. Oh, <laughs> sarcasm does it not really work was. on Twitter. No. It's not no. worth it. It really doesn't work. No. no, it's 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 not worth it because even the four percent who don't get it are the ones who will just come at you. Well, they'll come at you. Um, yeah. Is there anything else? Because yeah. I feel like we are done. Yes. No. Okay. So Pebble Beach, Jordan Speed. It's up to you, really. That's where we are here. It's up to Jordan Speed. Peter Laurie, thank you. Nathan Murphy, thank you. Finn Davenport, thank you. We are back next Thursday. We'll talk to you then. That was an OTB Podcast Network presentation.